I've been doing a series off and on over the past year or two, I'm not quite sure how long, on uh, the heroes of faith, those folks in the Old Testament that we can look to and learn from. Uh, I did one sometime back on, uh, Dan, on David, uh, seven principles that we can learn from the uh, life of David for success. I did one on Moses not too long ago about the different aspects of Moses' life and where that represents our own life. And um, so we can learn from these uh, life, uh, lives lived. Uh, a favorite scripture of mine that I use as a principle for this uh, regarding these Old Testament studies is Paul's words in Romans chapter 15 verse 4, which says, whatever was written in the earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Because if you don't have hope, faith has nothing to grab onto. Hope is something that faith will grab on and make it a reality in your life because you believe in what you do not see, believing the Lord. And we all need encouragement because this side of heaven, we surely get enough discouragement out there. Uh, just live the past couple of years and you found that out out there. Whoa, my gosh, turn on the TV. Discouragement, discouragement. So we need to persevere. And we look in these uh, lives of these Old Testament saints uh, as a model that we can learn from their mistakes, learn from where they got it right. And of course, when you look at Hebrews chapter 11, which is called the, uh, the uh, uh, hallmark of faith, the house of faith, you can see in there um, these men and women were successful because they stood in faith. That was the key. And we, of course, in the New Testament, um, have the reality of Jesus as our Lord and Savior and can learn from men and women of faith that have gone years before us by looking at their entire lives as an example. Uh, any good parents or grandparents want to look at their children and say, look at my life and learn from it, learn from the mistakes I made, learn from where I got it right. Uh, the uh, famous singer Judy Garland had a lot of problems, and she would tell her kids, uh, look at me, do the opposite. I don't think they listen very well, but that, that's what she used to say, look at me and do the opposite. Even she knew uh, my life is an example to be read. So these are very important to us because uh, they tell us about the lives of these Old Testament saints. They're a picture to us. Lessons to learn for a living, for ourselves, and illustrating these good principles and the mistakes we should avoid as well. So, uh, I'd like to look at another Old Testament saint tonight, and then um, that is uh, Joseph in the book of Genesis. Uh, first, a little background here about Joseph. Joseph is Abraham's grandson. He's uh, Jacob and uh, Rachel's boy. Uh, and in Joseph, um, in Joseph in his life, we see uh, Father God's faithfulness to the natural seed of Abraham, the Jewish race, Abraham's natural descendants. We are descendants grafted in by faith. We are the spiritual seed of Abraham. But the Word of God tells us he hasn't forgotten the natural seed of Abraham. So the Jewish race is still to this day a very precious uh, uh, entity in his heart that he would desire all of them to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, so, uh, regarding this natural seed of Abraham, one thing that we learn here is God's faithfulness that is seen by his covenant protection uh, that he gives to Joseph as Joseph would walk by faith. 
very key there. Like uh, granddad Abraham here, he uh, keyed into faith and the Lord recognized and honors faith. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't matter who your parents are or are not. If you will reach out in faith, God recognizes you. He doesn't recognize something that is not faith. That's an amazing thought. That's an amazing thought. Well, God hears prayer. God does not hear prayer that is not in faith. Shock. Shock. That gets as far as your nose. God does not hear begging and misery. He hears faith. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Read the whole Bible. That's an amazing, amazing thought. God hears prayers in faith. People who pray believing him. Wow. Heavy stuff. So here we have Joseph who stands apart from the rest of his brothers who are by our modern vernacular a bunch of losers. Uh, he's not. This guy is different. And since uh, Abraham's covenant is a faith covenant, Joseph then is also a picture of those who would walk by faith that we can see in the Bible. Obviously, none of his brothers did. Uh, Joseph walks by faith, also in the midst of very unpleasant and unfair circumstances of life. That's an important key here with Joseph. The, a lot of unfair things happen to him. Very unpleasant things happen to him. And you know, that's something worth mentioning. You might have heard it said. It is true. Life is not fair. Life is unfair. Don't be dumb. Whether you know Christ or not, life is not fair. Uh, and some people are amazed when you say that. Uh, it, it, I don't know what a world they live in. Uh, there's so much injustice in the world, it is unfair. Uh, even towards believers, how the world treats them, it is unfair. Uh, some people have this strange, peculiar thinking that when they come to Christ, they live in a Shangri-La world where nothing will go wrong. That is not biblical. You can overcome in Christ, amen. But life is unfair, and life is not uh, problem-free. It's not a problem-free encounter. And many unfair things happen in life, but in Christ. But in Christ. By faith. By the promises of his word, we can overcome these obstacles and problems that we would encounter. That's a very important concept here. Problems are, um, and obstacles are merely challenges to overcome. I didn't make that up. It's an old saying. They're merely challenges to overcome. They're not meant to be a wall you can't get through. They're a wall you knock down. And that's a very important attitude in life for even those that don't know Christ. They understand that. They knock down obstacles. And, but in Christ, how much do we have available to us by faith? So Joseph here is unusual. He has a life of what's called redemptive symbolism. When you look at his life, there are pictures, there are symbols of what Christ would do. He's very unusual. He is called a Christ type. In other words, when you look at him, you're seeing spiritually, symbolically, a type of Christ. Uh, he's the most complete Christ type in the entire Old Testament. Wow. How about that? Way back in the book of Genesis. He's the most complete picture of Christ. One scholar said there's more than 100 ways in which Joseph was a Christ type. He is a strong, very strong, uh, they, they have uh, said the strongest foreshadow of Christ in the Old Testament. 
Now, a foreshadow simply means, oh, look at this. I see a shadow. Hey, hey, object lesson. That's not me, but I'm casting a shadow. It's a reflection of me, but he can't see me real clearly. Maybe that's good. But it's a reflection of me. It's a shadow. Jesus in the Old Testament is hidden. He is Jehovah God, the second person of the Trinity, not yet taken on a body as the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's seen in the Old Testament as a shadow. And it looks like him, but what is that? It's a foreshadow of what he would be one day when he takes on a body. So uh, Joseph is the strongest foreshadow of Christ in the Old Testament. In other words, when you see Joseph, you're seeing a picture of Jesus's life, his earth walk. Pretty heavy. Makes you want to read about Joseph. You're seeing a picture of Jesus' earth walk. Now, there are more personal details about Joseph's life more than any other Old Testament character except David. We know more about David than any other Old Testament figure. But Joseph is second. So a little thumbnail sketch here about Joseph. Uh, when you read chapter 37, verse 2, he's 17 years old. And he has a dream of his brothers serving him. Not real good, Joseph, to tell them that. They didn't receive it too well. Neither did they receive Jesus when he came. And then by the time you get to chapter 41, that's only a couple chapters over, in verse 1, he's somewhere between 19 to 21 years old. And Pharaoh has a dream of a famine and Joseph interprets it. Pharaoh was very impressed. Then by the time you get to the end of the chapter, uh, chapter 41, verse uh, 46, he is 30 years old and the ruler of Egypt. Wow. Obviously, a lot of time goes by with a lot, a lot of details given. So what can we learn here from the life of Joseph? That should always be a question when we're in the Old Testament, looking at these Old Testament individuals. What can we learn from them? Well, first of all, Joseph is a type of believer who walks with God during trials. That's you got to get. He's a type of believer that walks with God during unfair times. Hey, that's not fair. He walks with God during unfair times. James chapter 1, not Pastor James, but the Apostle James chapter 1, verses, just see if you're paying attention, verses 2 to 4, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now right there you kind of go, oh, gee, thanks. Yeah, we're supposed to have a smile on our face. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Isn't that good that the Lord God wants us to lack in nothing? That's a heavy. Lack in nothing. That's pretty heavy there. Um, produces endurance. We have need of endurance. Especially the generation we live in. We live in a microwave generation. I want it now. Lord, I was believing two days for this. That's long enough. Where is it? We live in a microwave generation when we should be crockpots. We should be the slow cookers. We don't want to be slow cookers. We want to be microwaves. And that's a real challenge for American believers because that's what they want. They want it. They want it now. Especially if you live in the Northeast. They want it. They want it now. So the, a trial here is a suffering because the believer is doing the right thing and it 
and they're not doing anything wrong, very often they're suffering for being a believer. And it costs them something. There's something you really got to catch as a believer. If you want to walk with the Lord, it will cost you something this side of heaven. It will cost you something. Don't know what. A lot of people, don't raise any hands, I'm sure have been persecuted by their families because they received Christ as their Savior. You don't go to the same church mom and dad or grandma and grandpa went to. I was persecuted. I remember losing a job because they didn't want a believer working there. That's persecution. I did nothing wrong. I didn't jump up and down the table with my Bible telling them we're all going to hell if they don't receive Christ. I didn't do that. But as soon as they saw a Bible, they didn't want me there. That is suffering for doing no wrong, just simply suffering for the name of Christ. Of course, when I found out, somebody told me, don't you know why they didn't want you here anymore? I said, no, why? Because you're a Christian. I felt 10 feet tall. They rejected me because of Jesus? I must be doing something right. I was so happy. I, I did, didn't remember the James scripture, but I, yeah, I counted it all joy. This is great, because that means something much better is coming. Amen. The Lord is not to forget those who suffer for his namesake. Uh, very, very, very many people have suffered because they chose to walk with God, either from businesses, loss of friends, lost a whole bunch of them. They didn't want Christ. They didn't want me, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there, there's a cost if you're going to walk with the Lord. It will cost you something, but it's worth it. But it's worth it. In the light of eternity, I don't want any other way. It's worth it. Now, very important here, trials. This does not mean suffering sickness and disease. There is a part of Christianity that has taught over the centuries, sickness and disease is suffering the trials of your faith. Baloney. That is absolutely not true. Uh, sickness and disease and poverty and lack are something we've been redeemed from at the cross. We never accept anything Jesus has redeemed me from. That is not the blessing of God. That is an attack. And we fight against those attacks spiritually because it has no right to be in the life of a believer. Amen. These are attacks. You know when that was ever first mentioned? I was very surprised to find this out. Martin Luther, my gosh, hundreds of years ago, had problems with kidney stones. And uh, Martin Luther was in bed one time banging the, the bed frame with his fist. He was in such pain. And someone walks in, are you okay, Brother Luther? This is an attack. Wow. Pretty good, Martin Luther. Pretty good. He recognized sickness and disease as an attack, not a blessing of God. Wow. Pretty good for him. Uh, so, yeah. That, I think that was the first time that was ever mentioned that it was recorded. Uh, sickness and disease being referred to in that manner. How about that? So, no, this is not suffering, sickness, and disease, or anything Jesus has redeemed me from. Uh, we're not going to go to the Scriptures. Surely, he tells us in the Gospel of Matthew uh, that if they hate me, uh, they'll, hate, they'll hate you. Uh, that you're blessed if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. And certainly, uh, believers have been that way all through the centuries, uh, suffering for the name of Christ. Peter tells us clearly here in 1 Peter chapter 4, Verses 12 to 18, who, for those who are suffering for their faith. It says in verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you. Well, that's a heavy statement here. 
I'm a little surprised there. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised because you're hated. Don't be surprised because you're persecuted. Don't be surprised because they banished you from your house because you're a believer. Wow. Don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for the, your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Well, this is strange. He said, no, it's not. If they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. Wow. Verse 13. But to the degree which you suffer, or, I'm sorry, for the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and the spirit of God rests upon you. Verse 15, by no means let any of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not feel ashamed, but in, the name, in that name let him glorify God. I have met many people who suffer because they're obnoxious. They suffer because uh, their behavior does not reflect Christ and they're being rejected and saying that uh, they're being rejected for a believer, being a believer. They brought this on themselves due to their own sinfulness. Let that not be us. Uh, we skip down to verse 19. Therefore, let those who also, let those also who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator, creator in doing what is right. So that's a very important issue that we want to do what is right. And if you do, you will be persecuted for it. Don't be surprised at it. Expect it and have all joy. For obviously you have the name of Jesus over your head and it is recognized. Rejoice. You have a name known in heaven. And as the saying goes, it's better to have a name known in heaven than a name known on earth. Amen. So, we're on Joseph here. What can we learn here from the life of Joseph? All right, if you're taking a note here, number one, Joseph responded to the Spirit's call to live a holy and separated life. Joseph responded to the Spirit's call to live a holy and separated life. Now, that's important. So, we learn from Joseph's life, to be very brief here, Joseph had great character. He was wise. He was discerning. He had purity. Boy, we need to bring that back in, in America today. Purity. Purity, purity, purity. And uncompromised. In other words, if it would cost him something, it's going to cost him something because he's not going to deny uh, his faith in God. I was on a men's retreat one time. Great place. It was in Pennsylvania uh, from, our, from our church. We were a huge group there huge group. So I had to go to the bathroom. So I'm walking down the hallway and this is a big Christian conference center and they have littler rooms there, smaller rooms. And there was this little small room with a church from inner city Philadelphia, had about maybe five guys in it and it had the topic on their marquee, men of purity. I said, I want to go in this retreat, not on ours. I go here. I was so impressed with them. They were taking the time for an entire weekend to discuss how do we be men of purity. Man, four stars, man. You guys have got it together. I'm so, so, so impressed. So Joseph here um, has a character that is worth uh, repeating. Uh, the Spirit of God calls us to this. 
the wise, the discerning, the purity, the uncompromised. And uh, there's much attack today against those in the body of Christ who will try to live a life like this, especially men who refuse to compromise God's Word. It's going to cost you something. And so he trusted in Jehovah's covenant faithfulness to the uh, covenant that Jehovah had with Abraham. And we, le we learn here when we look at these qualities of Joseph, if you looked carefully, all these are leadership qualities. Isn't that something? And God then, what does he do with Joseph's life? Promotes him to be a leader. Not just a leader, but a great leader as never seen before at that time. And one thing we learn from this uh, in our own lives here is that the character of leadership, that is in the eyes of God, the character of leadership is more important than the duties of leadership. We've got to get that. I have certainly met people who are Christian leaders who are not kind, often mean, often acted like Pharisees, and God is not pleased with that. Were they, quote, good in their duties of leadership? They were phenomenal. And I don't think any rewards in heaven await them because they didn't have the character of a leader. Character is more important than duties because if you do have character with God, the duties will follow that will also honor the Lord. Amen? So here, um, we see in Joseph's life here in uh, chapter 39, Joseph is accosted by Mrs. Potiphar. Uh, she has playgirl intentions for Joseph. And uh, he refuses to defile himself. Remember, he's a man of purity. And it costs him something for staying holy. He's thrown in jail, falsely accused. Yet in jail, in verses 20 to 23, God grants him favor. So uh, chapter 39, verses 20 to 23. So Joseph's master took him and put him into jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. And the chief jailer committed to Joseph charge uh, Joseph's charge all the prisoners who was in the jail. Wait a minute, you just got put in jail? Now you're in charge of the jail? That's amazing. That's amazing. So whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. And the chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge. Wow. Because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made him to prosper. That is absolutely amazing. That's where God exalts even in the worst of circumstances. That's when you get lemons, you make lemonade. Open up a lemonade stand, charge more than all the kids charge, and you make money. Praise God. All right, number two here. Another thing we're going to learn from the life of Joseph here. Joseph's only hope was in God's word to him. And there's no written word here, so he has the spoken word of God to him. So his only hope was in God's word to him, and he trusted and held more onto that word than life itself. Wow, that's amazing. Um, there's probably a lot he didn't understand, but he knew the word of God spoken to him was true, and he could stake his life on it. To live in that time period on the earth and have an attitude like that, you are a very special person, right? Didn't Jesus 
not be discouraged by all the negativism around him. Yet he was positive and convinced of God's word to him, just like Joseph. So what's so different with us? You know, the scriptures uh, are literally God's word to us personally, as if he's whispering in your ear. And technically he is, by Holy Spirit. And we need to hold on to it in the same esteem that Joseph did. Now remember, it's real easy to believe God when things are going pretty good. But when you're under adverse trial and circumstance, that's hard. Especially when it doesn't get resolved in two or three days. That's real hard. I mean, did Joseph suffer emotionally in jail? Yes, he did. Did Joseph know bitter disappointment? Yes, he did. I mean, the butler here was supposed to help him, and he forgot Joseph as soon as he was gone. That's got to be a big disappointment, a bitter disappointment. Uh, did Joseph give up and forsake God in all this? No. And that's the key. Um, we hope real persecution does not come to the Lord's church because truly many will fall away. Many will fall away because they never had any substance to begin with. And now is their time to get that substance. That's very sad, very frightening of what really could happen. And it has happened like that over the centuries. The majority never want Christ. There's always a faithful remnant that do. And your job and my job is to be found in that faithful remnant. The faithful remnant like him when everything is fine. And when everything's not fine, they don't want to know him. And you can see that in Jesus' life. And of course, you can see it in Joseph's life here. So when challenges come to us in life that are contrary to what the Word of God promises us, we need, we need with a capital N, we need to trust what's in His written Word more than what we see. Easy to say until the pressure's on you. Easy to say. Because Christians all over the world are suffering incredible persecution today that we could not even imagine. We just could not even imagine. And have been for centuries. Also notice here, when Joseph was in jail, his gifts made a room for him. Make a, no, made room for him. Make him a room. Made room for him. Uh, so in the help, to help other people, we see that the gifts are meant to help others that we have. Your gifts will make room for you. And, and of course, continued to grant him favor. We have uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit in us. They're God's calling card to bring the name of Jesus to all that we come in contact with. And when we walk through our daily affairs of life, God's gifts are there to make room for us and create favor for us. I remember more than once I, I spoke to a high school class here and there uh, about if there's any book of the Bible when you're young, you need to nearly memorize, it's the book of Proverbs. Because if you learn Proverbs, you will gain wisdom and people will seek you out and grab at your, uh, at your clothes. Because the corporations today have enough educated fools. They're looking for people with wisdom and there are not a lot of them out there. Yet when people have wisdom, they don't care what your education and experience is. They grab you fast because they need people who have wisdom. And that is something God's word, will, if you put it in you, will make a way for you. Um, you know, I'll give you a quick example. 
Uh, we, Walt and I knew this family, this is years ago, back in the early 80s, and uh, their son had, well, you might say had learning disabilities. He, 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 I don't want to use the word dumb, but he just couldn't do anything, man. This kid got D's, he did well. Whatever track they had him in school, they, they weren't even giving him any hope. Uh, and the father and mother were so broken hearted over this. They're believers. And Walt said, this is easy. In those days, everything was a cassette tape, right? Those who are old enough to remember. If you don't remember, I don't care. Anyway, but those who are old enough to remember. Uh, Walt said, put the book of Proverbs on cassette tape and let him listen to it when he goes to bed every night and play it all night long. Within one marking picket, period, this kid went from D's to A's. The Word of God went in him and changed him and gave him wisdom. And the teachers were like, oh, you must be really working with your son. They were like, no. And they went, well, but how did this happen? They told him, didn't believe him. Didn't believe him. Of course not. It's foolishness to them. But we know it's the power of God. That's a true story. And so, hey, you know, God's Word will even bring wisdom into your life. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a something that people will crave today and, you, and the gifts in you will make room for you. It's believing God for it and living it. Okay, so here we have um, in uh, Genesis chapter 39. Uh, let's read in the beginning here. This is a, a long reading, but in verses 2 to 6, first Joseph finds favor with po Mr. Potiphar. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, uh, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard brought him to, who bought him from the Ishmaelites, had taken him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. Notice, the Lord was with him. And he was in the house of his master, the, the Egyptian. I almost said magician. The Egyptian, gosh. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hands. So Joseph found favor in the sight, in his sight, and became his personal servant, and he made him overseer over his house, put him in charge of all he owned, and it came from that, uh, from that time, he made him overseer in the house and over all he owned, and the Lord uh, blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. And the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in his house and his field. So he left Joseph in charge of everything he owned. And with him, there, he, there was, he did not concern himself with anything except the, the food which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And of course, then we see in jail that we looked at already in chapter 39, uh, verses 20 through 23. We have... Um, he finds favor with the head jailer. Then in chapter 41 here, in verse 12, now a Hebrew youth was there with us, a captain of the bodyguard, and we told him the dreams, and he interpreted our dreams for us. For each man he interpreted according to his dream. Well, now Pharaoh's interested. Verses 38 to 45. Then Pharaoh sent to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom there is a divine spirit? So Joseph, uh, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all that is, there is no one discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my house and all my people shall be obedient to you. 
Only regarding the throne will I be greater than you. Wow. Pharaoh said to jo also said to Joseph, See, I have placed you over all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took off his signet ring. That's the credit card. You wear that thing. Anything you go, you can buy. Gave him the, sent the signet ring from his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him with a garment of fine linen, put a gold necklace around his neck, and he had him ride in his second chariot. And they proclaimed ahead of him, bow the knee. And he placed him over all the land of Egypt. Wow. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. Wow. Then Joseph, then Pharaoh named Joseph uh, Zaphaniah uh, and gave him uh, a Senoth, the daughter of Potiphar's priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Now the name, by the way, uh, Zaphaneth Ponadeah, uh, scholar says this is difficult to interpret. There's different views. It basically means the preserver of life. Wow. Why? Because Joseph had just a really high IQ? No, because God's favor was on him. And surely there have been many examples that we can't go through tonight of real examples in the history uh, of believers where these kinds of things have happened. Where believers became literally the head and not the tail because the gift of God and the favor of God was with him. So here we learn here the gift of God in Joseph uh, creates great gain and favor. It's been said a day of favor is better than a lifetime of labor. One day of favor is better than a lifetime of labor. Now, um, all this was beyond himself, but he was enabled because of God to save the entire Jewish race. That's favor. God's true road to success. So God favors those who walk by faith, who trust him as the only way in the midst of trial. Or my third and last point here I wanted to bring was um, about Joseph. There came a day when God's word to him was fulfilled. And his holy separated life had found its purpose revealed. His purpose finally got revealed one day. And these are the conclusions we can draw here from Joseph's life. Uh, in the life of Joseph, just like David, we learn that God will exalt in due time. So, so for the, uh, the microwave Christians out there, throw your microwave away, buy a crock pot. You've got to take it slow here. Yes, God can do it suddenly. Absolutely, I agree 100%. He, he does move in suddenlies, but you have no control over that. You do have the confidence to know he will exalt in due time. That you do have the confidence to know if you don't grow weary and give up. Because the enemy can't stop you, but he wants you to give it up. It's like a wet bar of soap in your hand in the shower. If you're not careful, it'll pop right out. He wants you to give it up instead of hold on to that soap real tight. Let it go right through your fingers. Hold on to it tight. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Paul tells us, and let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. 
And there is a plan from the enemy, I guarantee you, for your life to get you to lose heart and grow weary. And I knew one brother in the Lord, oh gosh, was, his great desire was to teach the Word of God, couldn't get anybody interested in him, for lack of a better word. Uh, was a school teacher, taught biology his entire life. Him and his wife did summer camps for children, led I don't know how many children to Christ, wrote books, didn't, weren't very popular. When he retired from being a biology teacher, all of a sudden people noticed the books he wrote. He be, had a full-time ministry traveling the world teaching on intercessory prayer for the last 20 years of his life. And he was like, now? <laughs> he had to take naps in between teachings. Now? Yeah, now. How about that? In due time, he was faithful. He never gave up, and he reaped. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I said that to somebody one time who was a biology teacher and said, I hope I don't have to wait that long. <laughs> I said, don't worry, brother. You don't have to. Okay, so we don't lose heart and grow weary. Uh, of course, we can't forget Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. For God is not unjust, so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name in having minister and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence as so to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. That's where we just put things in the hands of God and trust him with the days ahead. And he will surprise you with how he will use you in the days ahead. If you were told now, you'd probably run. You don't know. Anybody that you've seen uh, greatly used of the Lord had their years of humility and death to self and wouldn't give up and persevered under trial. There's, it's, it's the way it goes. There's no plan B. Why? We have to develop character in us. And character is, at, is uh, developed through adversity. That's why the depression generation in America was such a tough group of people. They had character because they had forged through uh, adversity and found character and that we don't even have anymore in America. They were different because adversity brought them that. Not that I'm saying we should all have adversity, but you need to understand this is a growth period, not a do-nothing period. James chapter 1 here, verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. And certainly that was Joseph. For once he, uh, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to all those who love him. So here to draw a, a very quick conclusion here, number one, uh, I know believers can feel very alone because they fear they're the only believer in their home or in the workplace. Or uh, I knew teachers that in the public school, they were the only believers in their public school, was two of them, but they had church because they were two of them. They would support each other. And we need to pray for those who are um, under great persecution and feel alone. When you know believers and you'll meet them, they're the only one in their family is that confess the name of Christ. Remember them in prayer, that they would have strength and endurance. They need it. They need it. And if you've been there, you know what that feels like. Number two here, we should always remember our brothers and sisters in Christ who are under life-threatening trials across this globe. 
this very hour I'm speaking, there's a persecuted church across this globe that is suffering in ways we couldn't even imagine. I wrote something down. This is from a long time ago. I'm going to say maybe 10 years. This is from Nigeria. This was a news bulletin. Officials said that more than 500 people from the mainly Christian village were hacked to death. Do you hear what I just said? More than 500. With machetes, axes, and daggers in three villages in Nigeria on Sunday morning. Survivor says the authorities did nothing to prevent the butchery, which came at a time when a curfew first was imposed after January's bloodshed and was meant to be put in place. Thousands have been killed in recent years in strife and, uh, and around, the, they mentioned the name of the village, Joss, J-O-S, which is on the dividing line between mainly Muslim North and Christian-dominated South. Wow, that's a trial. That's a trial. How many orphan children were left? That's a trial. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Wow. I had mentioned a scripture before in Matthew. It looks like I have it written down here. This is Jesus. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake. Not for being a meddler. Not because they think they're suffering because they have sickness and disease. No, he didn't say that. Persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you and falsely on my account account of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. I don't think sometimes as Americans we really know what persecution is and what trials really are. I... I can't even pretend to think how I would react. I hope I would stand in faith. I hope. And, um, you know, as, as Pastor Jim had mentioned once before here, and we have heard people say, when you pray for these folks in foreign countries like this, they just want you to pray that they'll be able to endure. Which I can't even begin to imagine what that means. It's beyond my thinking. So we need to encourage one another if trials are upon us. I think we can learn that here from Joseph. We need to pray for one another during trials. Uh, people suffering for doing what is right because they belong to Christ. Because we were never meant uh, to walk alone. Never. And I, I'm, I'm sure there might be people here tonight suffering on their job sites or in their homes because you're the only believer. I'm sure you are. And you did nothing to incur that type of abuse, but you're suffering because you're a believer. Let's just pray here. Father God, we lift up everyone that would be in this room, Father, or listening to this recording, uh, who is suffering, Father, for righteousness sake, maybe persecuted in their own home, maybe persecuted by extended families, maybe persecuted on the job site. Father God, we lift them up and we speak supernatural encouragement to them right now that they would be uh, encouraged, that they would count it all joy and have a smile on their face because they know they bear the name of Christ. What greater honor could they have on the face of this earth than to be called a believer? Father God, we all have to examine ourselves. If I was put on trial for being a Christian, 
would there be enough evidence found to find me guilty? For all of us, Lord, we remember those, Lord, who are suffering. Truly, Lord God, they bear the name of Christ and they are honored. We thank you, Father, for them. We ask you, Lord God, for their strength and their sustenance in these days ahead. And that, Father God, we would learn here from the life of Joseph, our Christ type, what the suffering Savior endured at the hands of his brethren that rejected him. That we thank you, Lord God, that truly we're your property. We're yours. Our souls belong to you. Our true citizenship is in heaven. Help us, Father, that we would truly shine as lights, as your word tells us, in this wicked and perverse generation we're living in with a word of reverence on our lips to all those who would ask, as your word tells us, of the hope that is within us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.